Did you know that on average, women ages 26 to 35 years old have a 15 to 20% chance of falling pregnant per month? Furthermore, 80% of couples will conceive naturally within 12 months of trying. But what happens when mother nature doesn't answer the call? There are so many ways to start a family. And for those who want to experience pregnancy, embracing modern medicine through fertility treatments can be the ticket to parenthood for those who desire it and who have the means to get there. For today's guest, Jen and her husband, David, they knew that conceiving children without assistance was going to be tricky. A childhood illness had left David at a disadvantage in the available swimmers department, and he knew making a baby might be difficult, but never imagined the lengths that he would have to go to to be a dad. Listen in to today's episode to hear Jen talk about her hard-won journey into motherhood and how their experience with in vitro fertilization, or IVF, inspired them to launch the nonprofit Parental Hope, a voluntary organization dedicated to helping couples battling infertility in three important ways. To help alleviate the financial burden of infertility through financial assistance, creating community and providing education education, and through support groups for couples battling infertility. This is Your Mom Has a Podcast. I'm Amanda Strong. Okay. All right. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and give us a little bit of information about I don't know everything about you. <laughs> sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Bross. I um, born and raised here in Cincinnati. I'm 36 years old. I have a husband and I've got um, twins, boy girl twins. They will turn five next week, actually. So super excited about that. Um, I am an Orange Theory fitness addict um, when I get time to do it. <laughs> um, and then in my, um, I guess, spare time, um, I founded a nonprofit with my husband, and um, that's kind of become our hobby. Um, but professionally, I work for um, a mortgage title insurance company. I do a little bit of travel for my job. I've got clients all across the country. So, yeah, so there's not much free time in my world, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, super excited to be here and to kind of t- tell my story. And you're, we're going to talk today about infertility. Yeah. And um, so your kids are getting ready to turn five. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me a little bit about uh, that journey, um, trying to conceive to figuring out things weren't going to be going the The easy route. Yeah. Yeah. So so my husband and I are actually, um, this is our second marriage for both of us. Funny enough, like I never wanted kids in my first marriage. Like I was, um, grew up an only child. Um, just I never was the the girl that like I've always dreamed of being a mom. That just just wasn't me. And I just thought, oh, I'm just not meant to be a mom. Um, with my first um, marriage, I was kind of the parent in that relationship, and I think that's kind of why um, I knew that if I added a child into the marriage, I would be just parenting everyone. And it wouldn't be really like a co-parent situation. So, um, so I just kind of talked it up to like, no, I don't want to be a mom. You know, mm-hmm. my husband was previously married as well. Um, <clears throat> and they tried for a little bit and that's when they discovered that he had some issues, um, with his semen, his sperm guys, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> um, <laughs> we like to get too technical, but, yeah. um, and, um, and so we met in 2011 after our marriages, um, you know, were, were finalized, divorce, you know, everything. You know, we met on eHarmony, which was, you know, super fun, I guess. Yeah. For, you know, back in 2011, 12. And because um, where do you meet people these days? It's like I, I, I have no. I, I met my husband when I was nineteen. Yeah, I have no. Clue. I wouldn't want to be dating right now. I wouldn't know how to navigate all of these different apps. And right. I mean, it was pretty much back in when we started dating. It was like eHarmony, Match. Yeah, um, I think Plenty of Fish was out. Uh, I don't know if that's still around. But um, how long? Can I just ask yeah. you how long did you internet date before you met him? So I tried. Um, so I signed up for one month of eHarmony. I had had friends that were like, "Do it, do it, do it," and I'm yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, okay." Like, 
oh, I'm so nervous. This is really like out of my comfort zone. Um, because, you know, again, I traveled for work. So where am I going to meet somebody? Like my friends were all married. Um, you know, I'm not just going to go into a bar and pick someone up. Um, <laughs> some people might, and that's great. Right. Um, so I did the one month and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it's a commitment. Like you have to fill out, fill out like a, you know, hundred questionnaire, you know? Whoa. Yeah. It's, it's like a full-time job to like interact. <laughs> and, um, so I had one date before I, um, got hooked up with my, my now husband and, um, it was just an awful date. Like I knew that like right away it was just not happening. He came to like dinner with a laminated page of like questions <gasps> and like pulled them out and they weren't even like good questions. It was like, so what do you have in your refrigerator? What? Um, why do you care? I don't know. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? You know, <laughs> he just like got on Google. Yeah, and was and, like, and, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. It was just bad. It was bad. And then, so I was like, oh, this is not going well. Um, so then, um, I had a date lined up for the weekend and then, um, you know, Dave and I decided to, you know, meet and, um, we hit it off. It was a Thursday and I mean, we, we met at the pub over in Rookwood. So that's kind of like our little spot. And, um, it was just supposed to be for like a drink after work. Mm -hmm. We ended up like closing the place down, not necessarily from just like drinking a lot or anything. Yeah. I mean, we had like two or three drinks and we just talked like the entire time. I mean, it was phenomenal like the connection we had was crazy and little did I know that he had dates lined up for Friday and Saturday mm -hmm. and I had a date lined up for Saturday well we both canceled it um those dates for Saturday night and like went out with each other yeah um and when he later told me that I was like no way I had a date lined up too that I canceled because so I wanted just, to go out with you you just did it on your own you we didn't did, like yeah. inspire no no Aww. yeah so it was just I just kind of knew it was meant to be and then um I'd say about a month into dating um maybe a, before that maybe you know like a couple weeks um because when you, I feel like when you're on your second marriage you kind of like get into like the nitty-gritty really quickly mm -hmm. um so like on dates we were talking about like life dreams and wants and you know like like, where is this going to go if, you know, anywhere? And I remember, like, the kid discussion came up, and, and my husband was, like, born to be a dad. Like, he had always dreamt of being a dad. He, I mean, he's just, like, the all-American dad, you know? And that was just something he, he is, that was a non-negotiable for him. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting at dinner, and he brings up, like, kids, and I'm like, yeah, I just don't know. And he almost ended it that night. <sighs> because I was just so hesitant. And I said, well, let me explain myself a little bit. And yeah. I kind of went through the reasons, you know, I went through earlier. Um, and I think, you know, he kind of was like, oh, okay, I, I, I'm kind of understanding her reasoning behind this. And um, so we kind of like trudged, trudged on and, um, and it was great. Like, and I kept thinking the whole time, I'm like, okay, when is the other shoe going to drop? Like, this is going too perfectly. Um, well, what's going on? You know, just, I'm so skeptical. And he sat me down in his place, you know, I think, I don't know, six weeks in, eight weeks in. And he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> you've got bodies in the basement. You've got some, yeah. <laughs> like you've got like a child out there that like quite the opposite actually. Um, so he sits me down and he's like, so things are going really well. And I really like see a future with you. And yeah. so I want to be open and completely honest, but um, I might not be able to have kids. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't even know how to process that. Yeah. Um, and he's like, it's not going to be easy. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what's going on? Like, can you fill me in a little bit here? And so when he was like 12 or 13, he woke up with, um, like, the, one of his testicles was like the size of like a tennis ball. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so he had to have like emergency surgery. And he remembers like at the time the doctor saying like, hey, buddy, this might affect your fertility one day. And like 12, 13, he's like, okay. <laughs> um, and so um, sure enough, um, he was basically diagnosed as like infertile. Um, and so after he told me that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's okay. Like, we'll get through this, you know? And yeah. he's like, so I'm giving you an out. And, and I'm like, well, I don't want an out. Like, we're in this. Like, I'm in this for you. You know, we're we're a team now. And and so after that, like, our relationship just, like, flourished even more. And um, and so we, we knew that, you know, conceiving was not going to be easy by any means. So, um, so kind of fast forward like six months, we, um, we get engaged and 
we do, um, you know, like a quick little wedding, you know, just small family friends. And, um, and so the month after we got married, we found ourselves sitting at the fertility clinic because we just knew like with his issues, there's no sense in like trying unprotected sex for a year. Yeah. Um, that just wasn't necessary for us. And so we were, you know, sitting at the, you know, in the doctor's office and, um, you know, going through like reviewing his charts and, um, um, we kind of suspected that I might have an issue because, um, I had kind of stopped taking birth control like six, I don't know, six months prior to our wedding. Cause I'm like, why am I taking this if like, it's not going to happen. So right. <laughs> might as well just like flush it out of my system. And, and, um, but my periods like essentially stopped. And so I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And I had been on birth control since I was like 16. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. I don't think this is normal. Um, you know, it was like 60 plus days, you know, between a cycle. And I'm like, okay. And like, I was getting like really bad acne. And so I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I don't know. I guess we'll just find out at the doctor. And mm-hmm. sure enough, we're at the doctor, um, you know, our first appointment. And I get diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Basically, I don't ovulate. So again, with like his issue of basically being infertile. Yeah. And then um, my issue of not ovulating, like it was not happening on its own. But I do, I mean, I do want to like back up like a couple months before we were married. um, My husband saw a urologist because he was on this like cocktail of vitamins, like trying to like get his like quality up enough to like where we could even do like IVF. And, you know, he went and like saw, you know, his urologist, got his test back. And um, I'll never forget this day. We were sitting there. got the call and his doctor was like, I'm sorry, you're never going to have kids. Whoa. Like he knew it was going to be hard, but not in like, you're never going to be able to have kids. And so he like just laid his head down on, on the countertop and just cried. Like he was really a vulnerable moment for him. And, um, I think at that moment it like hit me that I was like, Oh my gosh, like, we're in for like a, a rough ride, you know. And um, is that pretty? I'm just a pop, yeah, like sure. Is that pretty normal? Like you've got two testicles. Like you would think yeah, that. Like I know. you could like be okay with one. Uh, you would think. And so without getting like too technical, right? Um, so basically, there are <laughs> there's different. You know, most people hear of like motility or mobility or like count. Um, but there's also another component to um, the genetic makeup of a sperm, um, the morphology. And that's basically a complete sperm, you know, head, tail, body, you know, everything. Yeah. Well, he had 0% of that, like 0% like quality. And basically what was happening is, and he won't get offended that I'm telling you this. He's an open book. <laughs> like it, this is all out there for everyone to know. Um, and like, and he wants to like raise awareness, yeah. right. About that. Like guys are affected by this too. It's not always just the woman. And, um, so he won't mind that I'm sharing all of this, but, um, but then he had a small procedure where basically they found out that there was like blood trying to escape from his testicles and it was like killing all his sperm. Like it was crazy. Yeah. So we had like this little coil inserted, which basically allowed some like extra blood flow. And, um, it got up to like his quality of the morphology was like 2% enough to like do IVF. Yeah. So back at our, like our first appointment where, you know, we both get the diagnosis of like, you know, basically IVF is going to be your option. And I'm like, okay, like, what does this mean? You know, how do I process this? I know, I think IVF is a lot of money. I don't know. Like no one's really going through this that I know of, Mm -hmm. you know, my friends were just all having babies right and left and, um, they're on number two, three, and four. Um, and we're just like starting this journey as a newly married, you know, um, I was 30 at the time. My husband was 35. And so we, uh, we decided to, um, instead of going straight into IVF, um, you know, our, our doctor was like, you can do IUI, you know, the, um, basically, um, artificial insemination. Um, he's like, but it's like a Hail Mary, but they're cheaper. Yeah. 
right and you're looking at like six seven hundred dollars versus fifteen to twenty thousand so we're like well let's give a couple of those a shot like let's just ease into this right Right. instead of like diving right in and so we were scheduled to leave on our European honeymoon like the next month and so we weren't going to be able to like with the timing get into the office for the the IUI you know procedure so my um my doctor was like well here take this Avadrol shot with you and then that will force ovulation and then you know maybe it'll be a miracle and it'll be a honeymoon baby like that's what we were thinking the whole time but it was was so funny so we have to like get special permission to fly with this injection Mm -hmm. um So we put it in, like, went straight because it had to be kept cold, too. So we, like, drove with it to the airport in um, in a cooler packed with ice, but we couldn't take the ice or the cooler through security. So we're like, okay, let's take it out for, like, five minutes. <laughs> we, like, run through Cincinnati Airport to Chick-fil-A, oh get a big gosh. cup of ice, popped it in there. This was, like, our little baby the entire, like, first part of our trip. So we're on the plane. It's, like, an eight-hour flight to Paris. And we're, like, sitting there with our little cup. And, like, the flight attendants were great. Like, they would refill it like every hour or so like this is like your ice. It first really, lesson it was. It was like <laughs> it was great and um and so we knew like we had to do this injection and the timing um with it fell right when we landed to the Paris airport so we're like okay where are we gonna do this oh my god like it, and, and and with you know I don't know you know how much you know everyone knows about like fertility injections and and medicine but it, it's like very time sensitive so you like if you have a one hour window like you have a one hour window or else it closes so we're like find a bathroom find you know so we go into this like family bathroom in the dirty Paris bathroom or airport and do our injection and uh, like what a like crazy story if that would have (laughs) like if it would have produced a child right Right. like you were like you were started in a dirty airport you know (laughs) bathroom in Paris but um so, um, needless to say, like the timed intercourse, that cycle like clearly didn't work. Um, so we came back like, okay, we're refreshed, ready to go. All right, we're gonna go into IUIs. We're gonna do this. Like, hopes were up, you know. Yeah. Go in, fail, you know, failed cycle, and um, and I think that was like the first time that I really. Um, that that cycle, that failed cycle, really was the time where I was like. I want this more than anything. Like, I want this more than anything. I want to be a mother. And it finally, like, hit me. Like, it was really, um, it was just a really strange, eerie kind of feeling. And um, and so going, you know, we went right into the next cycle. We didn't take any time off. Um, went into the next cycle. Another failure. And, um, you know, at that point, I think me personally, I had kind of hit rock bottom because... I'm just an anxious person by nature, and if I can't control something, um, it kind of just sets me into, you know, like a very deep, dark place. And it was, yeah, it was after that second failure, and my husband looked at me, because I had kind of like shut shut everything off. Like, it was just, you know, I was almost like a different person, and um, became so negative, and like, it's hard, because... Um, again, I didn't know anyone going through this. We weren't talking about it. Yeah. Social media wasn't what it is today back in 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, there were no Instagram stories about, you know, hey, I'm here for you too. Like, I'm going through this. I just had a, you know, failed cycle. And so you just, I kind of just got sucked into this black hole of just, um, I don't know, just feeling just really bad. And my husband looked at me and he goes, you're not even the same person I married anymore. And I was like, oh. I need help. Like, this is not good, you know? And so I went and like, that was finally like the prompt that like, go talk to somebody. Yeah. You're not okay. Like, and it's okay to not be okay, but go talk to somebody. You clearly need help. And my husband's super supportive, but you know, it's, he's not going through the injections and the, he can only do so much as a support system. Right. And so I think it was around that time where we had kind of started like, okay, these IUIs aren't working. Let's, you know, let's regroup with our doctor, um, figure out, you know, the next step, which, you know, we knew kind of was IVF. And um, sure enough, next step was IVF. And like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay for this? You know, and when you're sitting in that room, you know, talking about IVF with the doctor, you know, a $15,000 procedure looming ahead of you. I mean, just like I could feel the air like getting sucked out of the room and like my heart was beating fast. Like my palms got sweaty and it was just like, 
I just felt like I was like spinning out of control. It's like it's a huge gamble. Huge because it's only like a forty five percent, forty to forty five percent success rate. So, um, and you know, my husband and I do well, but I, it's not like we just have like an abundance right. of funds <laughs> sitting around. Yeah. Um, you know, we were just kind of thinking like, how are we going to do this? Are we going to like set up fundraisers? Are we going to max out credit cards? Are we going to second mortgage our home? Are we going to ask friends and family? Like these are the things that you think about on top of an already like emotional roller coaster of are we even going to become parents um so it was just a lot and we went home and just kind of like i was like i need some time i'm gonna go like sit up in my office and and it was about it was the end of the year so it was november and open enrollment had started at my at my law firm i had worked for at the time in um, chicago and I started like looking at plans. I'm like, well, we're not going to need the family plan next year, you know? And it was just kind of like another like dagger in the heart. But then I started looking through like the actual like benefit package, like the booklet, the, the like the fine print of like what's right. covered. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe on the off chance, like maybe this is covered. Like yeah. I'm going to look into this. Um, and I'm so glad I did because um, I saw something in the like fine print that was like, you know, there is some fertility coverage. And so I'm like, oh, I'm calling, I'm calling, you know, yeah. and so I get on the line and, um, you know, the man's like the man, the customer service rep is on the line and he's like, well, yeah, ma'am, it's, you know, actually it is covered up to six IVF cycles. I'm sorry. What did you just say? <laughs> yeah, your plan covers up to six IVF cycles covered in full and I about fell out of my chair. It was just at that moment that sense of financial burden lifted and it was oh yeah it's just such a hard feeling to describe because it's like just overwhelming. So when you okay so 15 grand a pop mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming just from the little knowledge I have of friends that have gone through this, you harvest multiple eggs Correct. in a session. Correct. So is it $15,000 to like harvest multiple eggs and that covers the like trying to use all of those or is it like 15000 every single time they have to uh, insert it into your body? Sure. So the retrieval or the harvest process um, is the most expensive, right? Because it's, it's a mini operating procedure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um they sedate you mildly and they go up and retrieve your eggs. But, um, so that is the most expensive part of the process. Um, and then typically with a fresh cycle, I say fresh because that's the cycle where you harvest the eggs. Um, then they, um, they fertilize them in, you know, Petri dishes. And then, um, after three or five days, they would do a fresh transfer. So that all would be included in that $15,000. Okay. Um, but then you have medication too, which can run anywhere from like two to $5,000. So it's, can you run through, can you explain to me, like, what does it look like? So explain to me, we've made the decision to start IVF. Mm -hmm. Um, this is like day one, this is what I have to do. Yeah. Cause I, there's a lot of medication. Oh yeah. There's a ton and there's a ton of planning too. Um, so day one, um, of your, you know, new cycle, I guess, um, you, well, first you have to all rewind. You have to be on birth control pills basically for like four to sometimes even eight weeks, um, to kind of quiet your ovaries. Okay before they're like injected and stimulated um and then on like day six of your cycle i think it was day six it's been like seven years since i've done this but um you basically start the um stimulate the stimulation of the ovaries um and so i had to like rearrange trips that january because i mean yeah i was going to be away and um you know i wanted my husband involved in the process and um you know and to do that like you know, I wanted him to like, um, give me the injections. I know I wouldn't be able to do them myself, myself. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to need to be home this week. And so it can go from anywhere from like, I don't know, four to six, seven days of like stimulating your ovaries. Um, basically trying to like get them to produce, you know, an abundance of eggs and then, you know, they're harvested. Um, so we, um, we would do our, our injections, every injections every night. And we would have this routine where um every night he would like you know do a little ice cube numb my little like belly region and then he would do the injection sometimes it was like two a night sometimes it was three it was just depending on like the regime you know of what day it was in your cycle 
And, um, and then we got this like crazy, like, I don't know, crazy idea. We're like, I forget, like Saturday Night Live, Katy Perry was just on and she was singing Roar. And we're like, all right, we need like a moment of like laughter and just complete just being being goofy let's get up and dance so we're in the like living room doing this like we called it now we call it like our fertility dance to <laughs> Katy perry's roar and um so we kind of made it a routine every night we would like rewind that saturday <laughs> live part and we're like all right here we go like let's get up and do it because ivf is such um an emotional taxing process um you have to find those moments of like relief and just being silly with each other because um, you have to get through it together. Like it's a process where you feel already so isolated that like you have to stick together. It's either going to make you or break you. Um, and it's made us so, so strong. Like if you can conquer infertility together, like you, you can conquer anything. Like it is, it's, um, it's, pretty trying on a relationship but um so we did our injections for that week and we're like going in for the retrieval and um you know I'd say an average retrieval is probably anywhere from like 8 to like 12 14 eggs and um they retrieved 33 eggs oh wow yeah it worked because of my yeah well it worked (laughs) because of my diagnosis my PCOS I overstimulated so um so they you know retrieved the 33 eggs I woke up the next day looking seven months pregnant what why because of my ovaries overstimulated so super painful couldn't get out of bed it was awful so I'm like um this isn't normal I mean I literally had a belly and um which like that's shouldn't be there right like (laughs) yeah not be a oh my gosh and so um my husband or my uh, my husband called the doctor and the doctor's like all right you know you need to stay in bed drink Gatorade drink water like do not move like it was so painful by the third day no relief they're like okay um you need to come in you know it's we need to check you out so go in on the fourth day and they're like okay you're not doing a transfer like your body needs to heal and and that was so devastating because you worked so hard through this process for that like fresh transfer and that was like a smack in the face you know I'm like are you kidding me like my body is like shutting down like and now you're telling me that we can't you know move forward with you know the rest of the process so um, so there were definitely some like bumps along the way. And then by, um, so he like crushed our dreams that day, went home and like cried. And, um, but I, I have to say like one thing my husband did really well throughout this. Um, I mean, he did many things well, but like one thing in particular besides like, you know, the being silly rule, right? Like let's laugh, let's be goofy together. Um, he never, whenever we had a failure, a failed cycle, he never let me be sad for more than one day. He's like, you get one day, one day. You can cry, you can be pissed off, you can hit a pillow, punch a wall, I don't care. One day. And then the next day, the slate is wiped clean. Mm-hmm. It's a new cycle, it's a new start. And so he held me to that too. Um, Cause I was again, like that type of person who would fall into a hole. Like I did well, like during our like It's IUI. a roller coaster. It's so, yeah, such a roller coaster. Um, but going through this, luckily, we didn't have to, to manage the financial burden of the roller coaster. Yeah. We just had to focus on the emotional battle, which was such a blessing. Um, and so anyway, now we're on like day 10 of my bed rest. Oh, day 10. Um, go back into the doctor. They drain um, a liter and a half of fluid out of my ovaries. Oh, my God. Instant relief. Like, the fluid is gone. Instant relief. I'm like, I'm a new person. This is wonderful. Thank you. Like, it was so painful, but it was a necessary procedure. So. Did they, was there any, like, this could happen again next cycle? Or this was just, like, a freak, like, first time? Yeah, so... It does happen a lot with women who have PCOS because they do already have ovaries that overproduce um, um, follicles or eggs, and um, and basically they don't need as much of the stimulant drugs 
um, you know, when you're going through that like harvesting process uh-huh. as someone who like doesn't have this diagnosis. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it happens a lot, but, um, the actual term for it is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome or OHSS. And, um, they try to avoid that, but yeah. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable. You know, I was like day four into injections and like already had a ton of eggs and he's like, okay, let's pull back the medicine a little bit and we'll like dial it back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does happen. It's definitely not something they want to happen. Um, cause it is very painful. Um, but yeah, so we, um, so the next cycle, we didn't have to do that harvesting retrieval process again, because out of those 33 embryos, you know, eggs that turned in embryos, we got eight, eight embryos that were actually viable okay. that were able to be frozen. So that was a huge relief that like, we didn't have to like put my body through that again yeah. right away. Um, so we've got our eight frozen embryos and by this time we're like, all right, next cycle, like going in with like open mind and this is going to be great. We did made the decision to transfer two embryos, um, by the recommendation of our doctor. Everything looked great. The uterine lining looked perfect and full. I don't know how you, and uterine lining looks perfect, but (laughs) apparently it did. So good job, uterus. Um, and how, how many times um, are you going into the doctor? Like, how, are you going in weekly? For monitor, monitoring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, quite a bit, like every couple of days, especially Gosh. during that, like simu- um, the stimulation phase where you're doing all the injections. Um, <clears throat> I want to say it was like every two or three days they were doing ultrasounds to make sure, okay. again, that you weren't overproducing. And, okay. Um, because there are women who have like their cycles like canceled too if they're not producing enough eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just so many variables and factors in this process that, I mean, one situation like our situation probably isn't exactly like someone else's. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very individual um, journeys with a common thread, right? Yeah. So we go into our first frozen transfer, which is so much easier on the body. Like basically you take like this little pill to like, you know, for a certain amount of time, a couple weeks, I think, and it kind of fluffs your, your lining and makes your body like, you know, just be in harmony, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) And, um, so we go in, we transfer two embryos and we're like, all right, this is it. Like it's done. Yay. We're pregnant. Um, right. It has to work, right? Yeah. The work is done. The work is done. Um, you know, they just go in for the transfer and, um, but it is quite, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because, um, again, like through this process, you have to just be completely open to the fact that like your, your lady bits are like on display. Like you are literally like there's 18 people in the room. Like you're just, you're just on there for display. And that's just, you got to get comfortable with that. You know, it's great. (laughs) Um, and for the transfer, they actually like you're on the table and you're in the stirrups and they actually like raise your legs up towards the ceiling. So you're like even more on display. It's, I'm like, is this really necessary? Do we need to like, like half the tilt going on? But, um, apparently it's part of the process. Right. So, um, but anyway, so we're like, you know, on cloud nine thinking it worked and we go in for, you know, our beta blood draw to test for, you know, pregnancy and it's negative. I mean, I think that was like probably the most devastated that we were in that entire process because again, you just, you just think it's going to work, right? You know, you're just so filled with hope that, um, the process is like done. Right. Um, but science and medicine, modern medicine can only get you so far. It is still left up to like nature, God, whatever you believe in, um, for that embryo to like implant. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right, do we want to take any time off, you know, recharge? And we're like, no, we want this bad. Like we will be parents by the end of this year. Go in in April, transfer two more. And we're, you know, I think we're, I think our, our expectations are a little bit less um, than the first cycle, but still very high. You know, again, like this is the second cycle. It's going to work. Yeah. Um, went in for the, the blood draw, failed cycle. And that was, again, very difficult. We go into our doctor. Like, I was like, I need a meeting with him. I need to figure out, like, what's wrong. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Jen, I don't know what to tell you. Um, your your embryos are perfect. 
your your body is is perfect you know uterus looks great like i mean but again there's only so there's only so much i can do for you like i can only get you so far in this process and i think like hearing that it was like okay you're right like this is it's either like meant to be or you know what is gonna be it's gonna be right and so we go in we're um so now we've used four of our embryos we've four left and like my husband and i just kind of talked at that moment like okay like if these last four embryos don't work like i want to have a plan Mm mm-hmm so let's like, are, are we going to adopt? Like, what are we going to do? And so we had actually kind of started looking at, you know, adoption agencies around the, you know, the city, just kind of like getting our feet wet, right? Not actually like reaching out and filling out, you know, none of that, but just like what's around. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just, again, we want it to be parents more than anything. And even though my insurance would cover up to six IVF cycles, mm-hmm. we just weren't going to put ourselves through that. Yeah. Um, at some point you kind of have to say like, I'm done, you know, emotionally. Um, now I just want to focus on like becoming parents. And Mm -hmm. so we go into that third cycle and, um, just more of a still hope filled, right. But more of a like realistic attitude. Um, you know, just coming off our meeting with our doctor where he was like, I can only get you so far thinking that in the back of my head, I'm like, okay. Like, I was just kind of, like, more at peace with the process. We go in, transfer two more, and um, just try to keep busy the next two weeks, you know, because it can, like, suck you in thinking about, you know, did it work? Did it not? Um, And so we stayed busy. That was May. So we had, like, it was uh, Memorial Day. So there were, like, parties and picnics and, you know, family stuff. And um, and, uh, we actually decided to test at home this cycle and um I go in I take the test and like I didn't I couldn't even the plan was to like put it down and then go tell my husband and we'll look together right I couldn't even put it down fast enough and there were two lines and I was like (laughs) like I kind of squealed and I'm like shoot I should know right (laughs) like shoot shoot okay so I put it down and and I go back in the you know bedroom and I'm like okay like let's wait three minutes (laughs) trying to like keep the like big grin (laughs) off my face and so we actually like got like our camera out and we kind of like recorded the moment all like not knowing if this was going to work right but we're like let's just record this like let's let's you know um and so oh I should back up like two seconds because it was right after right before this transfer this third round national infertility awareness week in April it's always the last week and so we were getting ready to like gear up for our third cycle and I'm like I stumbled upon this National Infertility Awareness Week. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing, you know? And so maybe I should like come out of the closet, right? Like come out of the infertility closet. And um, so I made this like big post on Facebook, like, you know, we've been going through this the past year. Um, You know, we appreciate your, you know, the support you've given us because no one knew at that point. Yeah. We still had not come out and, you know, and talked about it. And, um, and so we made this post and like the response that we got was incredible. It was, I've been through it. My sister's been through it. My neighbor, my coworker that, I mean, it just, it like caught on like wildfire and we were like, well, where are all these people talking about it? <laughs> right. You know? And so, um, so that was super freeing as well. It was just like, oh, it's out there. Everybody knows. Yeah. Because we th- like, we kind of think people suspected something was going on, you know, because we'd be at, you know, a, f- a friend function, friend party, and, like, someone would announce a pregnancy, and I would, like, bust out crying, Aww. you know, not because we were sad for them, yeah, um, but, you know, because we either just had a failed cycle yeah. or, um, but we also mentioned, like, you know, we don't want you to treat us differently, you know. Um, we know it's going to happen. We still want you to invite us to your baby showers and your celebrations. And, but let us decide if we're, you know, going to go or attend. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to be excluded. Right. You know, we're super happy for all of our friends who are, you know, who are parents and, um, who are expecting, and we know it'll be our time, you know, um, but this is what we're going through. So that was super freeing. And, um, So anyway, sorry, I had to back up there. Um, So going into the bathroom, trying to wipe the grin off my face the day we found (laughs) out. um, 
you got the video camera on, you know, holding it up. And David's like talking to the, <laughs> you know, he picks up the stick and he's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like grinning in the background. <laughs> like if you watch it, I mean, it's out there on like YouTube and stuff. And like, if you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, she totally knew the whole time. <laughs> and, um, and you know, David's like, you know, you know, to our future child, whoever we are, whoever you are, like, just know that you're, you know, you're loved and you're going to be loved forever and ever. And didn't know at that time it was twins. And, um, but super excited. And I was just like, kind of like, it didn't feel real, you know? So we go in for our blood draw the next day. Cause we got a positive test and, um, and, like our numbers were like through the roof and I'm like, okay, like this, this is good. This is a good start. Yeah. Um, so two weeks later we go in for our ultrasound find out it's twins. I think I was like white as a ghost. My <laughs> husband's like, yeah, like fist bumping. And I'm like, <gasps> like I was an only child. So I don't, I've never changed a diaper. I'm like, this is really overwhelming, you know? And, um, and so I think he actually had to like kind of carry me out of the park, you know, out of the, <laughs> out of the office because it was just so like, okay, we're going to do this. We're twins. Ooh, all in. <laughs> um, so had, um, had a pretty easy pregnancy, which was amazing. Thank goodness, you know, um, had a rocky time getting there, but thank goodness we had a smooth pregnancy and, um, delivered our, our twins on January 8th of 2015. So, which was like the best, of course, the best day of my life yeah. will always be the best day. Um, so Violet was baby A, she was named after my grandma mm -hmm. and, uh, Logan was little baby B. So, and life hasn't stopped since it has been crazy <laughs> like I don't remember I don't remember like the first year with infant twins because it just was a blur almost you know yeah I'm sure it's just all hands on deck yeah you know trying to shuffle everything but um but yeah so that's kind of like the story in a nutshell in a you know a long crazy kind of way yeah but, yeah but yeah, no, it feels so good to finally like be a mom and like watching like my husband with our kids. Like he, I mean, I, I knew this when I like met him, like he was meant to be a dad. Like he is like, you're all like all American hands on. He's like their soccer coach. He's, I mean, he's just like, so his dreams have come true and it's just so <laughs> cool to watch. Like, I just love it. Yeah. Such a really just awesome. So Oh, yeah. Do you think you guys want to try to have more? Are you like, to, we're like done, mm -hmm. like we're good, it's enough? Yeah, so um, on that note, um, we actually, so if you recall, we had the eight frozen embryos. Yeah. And we went through six to get Violet and Logan. So we had these two remaining embryos and, you know, we're paying for storage to keep them on ice. And when they turned, I think they were like two or three months, um, you know, we got the next quarterly bill and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, mm -hmm. I, do you want like to go through like another transfer? Do you like, what do you want to do here? You know? So we kind of started that conversation and he's like, I, I think our family is complete. And I was like, me too. Cause I'm like <laughs> super happy with where we are. Um, you know, again, boy, girl, twins. I, we just knocked it out of the park. We couldn't be more blessed and, um, just really felt good about our little foursome. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, well let's, we kind of need to figure out what we're going to do with these embryos. We've yeah. got two, um, you know, destroying them is just not an option. Like that's just, we worked so hard for them and, um, we're just not going to destroy them. So put that one off the plate, you know? Yeah. Um, so then the other option was to transfer them at a time when you're least likely, when they're least likely to implant mm -hmm. called a compassionate transfer. And for me, I'm like, I don't know, our luck, it would work, you know, <laughs> and then we'd have like two sets of twins yeah. potentially. And I, I just don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> You know, so I just don't think that, that was like ever an option for us. Um, our clinic at the time wasn't taking any embryos for scientific research or anything, mm -hmm. but I know that can be an option for some. Um, so really the only option left was um, embryo adoption or embryo donation. And so we were like, okay, I think we should look into this. Like, let's just look, look into it, see what's out there. So we found a nonprofit called the national embryo donation, um, center in Knoxville, Tennessee, where, um, 
it's they adopt out people's embryos um it's like a formal adoption process they have to go through like home studies and um you know mental health you know um kind of uh, what is the um, like an evaluation yes evaluation thank you um background checks all of that you know all the things and we're like okay well let's start like kind of looking into this start maybe filling out the paperwork and um we felt really good about it like we talked it through um so we kind of submitted our profile you have to submit like medical background and um, picture and educational history basically like your entire life story right they want to know everything about you yeah submit that all and um so we submit that in like april not even like i don't know two weeks later we get a an email from the clinic that there is a couple that wants to adopt our embryos and i just like stopped in my tracks i was like oh my gosh what somebody wants our embryo like this is great (laughs) you know and um and so like but they also like included a letter about like their journey and where they came from and why they you know want to do this and so I'm like in a drive-through line. I had to pull out. I'm like, I'm reading this letter right now, you know? So I open the letter and I mean, it's like three pages. I'm bawling by the end of it. I mean, it's just talking about their struggle to have children and how many cycles they went through of IVF with their own embryos. And it just really like at that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Like this is it. This is it. I got to get home. I got to tell Dave, you know? And so we kind of start the process of like um, getting an attorney involved and filling out the you know, all the paperwork and all the things. And then the next decision was, um, we kind of had to figure out if this was going to be an open or closed adoption. And originally I was like, open, I want to know like what's going on. And, you know, I didn't necessarily want to like vacation together or anything. (laughs) I don't want to be like best friends, but you know, a letter once or twice a year and a picture or something would be nice. And my husband was like, it's closed for me. Like it's, it's gotta be closed. And I'm like, okay, well talk to me through Like, let's talk this through. And so, you know, he was talking about, he's like, you know, if you get one letter and one photo a year, you're going to want more. You're going to want more. And I said, yeah, you're right. I'm going to want more. I said, yeah, I think it has to be either it has to be either like all or nothing, right? It either has to be completely open where you're like, you know, on the phone and you're mm-hmm. Skyping and you're this and, you know, and we have our two children that like I want to be invested, completely invested in. And, um, and I don't want to have to worry like about this other potential, um, you know, if a child does come out of this, you yeah. know? And so, um, so we, we kind of decided closed with some restrictions or yeah, with, with caveat, I should say. So, um, so we kind of put in there that once every, um, if there is a, um, a child, mm-hmm. once they all reach, reach the age of 18, they have permission to reach out to the attorneys and contact one another mm-hmm. because we didn't feel like that was something that we should make the decision for them. Like yeah. that you're not going to find out, you know, who your genetic sibling is yeah. or, um, <clears throat> And so that part is in there. And then the other caveat was that if there was ever a medical situation where either like our kids need it, like bone marrow or that child would need bone marrow or a transplant or something like we would obviously be a resource because we're genetically tied together and um, knowing that that would change the relationship and Mm -hmm. we were okay with that. And so, you know, it takes a couple months to get like the paperwork going and so we, um, before we finalized it, I said, Dave, I want to have like a phone call with this couple. And they're down in Florida. We restricted the states that it couldn't be bordering Ohio just because I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really want like Violet or Logan coming home with like a, <laughs> you know, a, a person that looks like, right, right. I'm like, like look who I'm marrying, you know? And I'm like, oh, that could be your brother or sister. Um, so we kind of put that restriction on there. But um, so we did request to have a phone call with this couple. And it was, I'm so glad we did because it was just, it really solidified Um you know, the, the final, you know, actually like hitting send. Right. Yeah. And making this happen. And, you know, there's like a social worker involved and she gets on the phone and she kind of does an introduction and she's like, okay, I'm going to talk you through this. And, you know, I'll ask some questions after 30 seconds. She never said another word because my husband and I, and this other couple just hit it off. Like it was like instant chemistry. 
it was, again, meant to be, I truly feel like. And, you know, we talked for like an hour. And I remember at the end, you know, you know, they're like, any other questions? And I'm like, yeah, like, why did you choose embryo adoption? You know, because they had um, already gone through a traditional adoption. They had a four-year-old son. Okay. And, you know, why didn't you just do another traditional adoption? And I'll never, ever forget um, Kelly, the, the, the adopting mom, said, I've always wanted to carry a child. And I'm, like, bawling. Like, if I can potentially, like, give you that gift, like yes, take, take our embryos, like take them. And so like, it just really like warmed my heart and just really like, again, solidified that decision. And so they ended up transferring both embryos. Um, one took and they gave birth to a baby boy. Oh, and it was, we don't know specifics. We don't want to know like when his birthday is, but we just know sometime in the summer of 2016. So So it's really, really cool. You know, it's really, really a cool feeling. And, um, you know, to be able to do that. um, And and even that that technology exists today, that that can even happen, is pretty incredible. And um, supposedly it's like half the cost of what an IVF cycle is. So again, it's like more affordable for people, um, you know, and they can still go through that pregnancy and birthing process. I didn't even know that was a thing. It is definitely a thing. Wow. I thought you had the choice to like... Yeah, discard. Yeah. Or I knew you could like put it in your... Because I thought, oh, I I kind of like that thought. Like you can just like reabsorb it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that they had to put it in your uterus. I thought they could just like put it... (laughs) Put it in your body somewhere in your body. Just like... (laughs) Does something with it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um... And so that really kind of was the catalyst for, wow, like we, we just gave someone such a gift, you know, what I want to do more, you know? And so, um, my husband and I, you know, um, you know, I've always been kind of like the giving back type, but now like we're raising a family and I want to give back to a cause that is like near and dear to our heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we're like, how can we give back? You know, let's find like an organization. Is there anything related to infertility? Like, you know, cause that's obviously where our heart is. And, um, there just really wasn't anything locally, um, here that we could actually get involved with. There were at the time a few organizations like out West that, you know, we could donate money to, but I'm like, I want to do more like donating money is great. Um, but I want to do something like I want to be involved more than just like write a check once a year. And so, um, in January of 2016, when our kids just shortly after their first birthday, um, we formed a nonprofit that is here locally that serves the infertility community and it's called parental hope and um it's just been it's where my passion is right like um you know if i didn't have to work if i didn't need a paycheck i would just be doing you know parental hope stuff but unfortunately you know we need need a paycheck (laughs) so um so my work will continue and then um you know i do parental hope on the side you know at 10 o'clock you know on a wednesday night in bed like we both have our laptops open just working 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 away on making this organization um truly a resource for those who are you know, in this area struggling with infertility. And, um, so yeah, so we're coming up on our fourth, fourth birthday mm-hmm. and, um, in our four short years, we have awarded 36 IVF grants to couples that pay for the full cost of like a round of IVF. Wow. Yeah. Um, funded, I want to say that's over like $315,000. We have 15 babies in wow. the parental hope family and we've got three more on the way. Aww. So it's, um, it's so awesome. Like it is just amazing. Um, you know, the relationships we've built built and the people that we're helping, um, you know, these are just everyday, you know, people that, um, you know, can't afford 15, $20,000 for a chance yeah. at fulfilling a dream. And so where do you get your funding from? How do people apply? Is there a process? Yes. Give, like just in case somebody's listening yeah, and they're like, I didn't even know this existed. Yes. Let me get and in I'm on sure there are a lot of those people out there because we're still so new, you know, and, <clears> um, <throat> and, um, 
you know, an infertility isn't just something that people are just talking about again. I think they're talking about it more now yeah. than in 2013 when we were going through it, but it's still a taboo subject. Is there a stigma attached to it? For is it sure. Something- okay. For sure. I mean, I think it's better yeah. again than seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, it's so personal, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still a, a disease, you know, it's still a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just want people to talk about it because if you're not talking about it, um, I don't know. It's just a potential to help someone because, again, I was that person back in 2013 not talking about it. And then all of a sudden opened up one day and got such a huge response and just this huge support system. And it's not like I told people like what dates I was going in for what. You don't have to get sus- specific but you can let people know like this is the hurdle that we're facing this Mm -hmm. is you know this is real like this is us and it's probably happening to more people than you know Mm -hmm. apparently it's one in eight it's probably closer to like one in six wow one in six couples so again everybody knows somebody um, but as far as like supporting us, yeah, I mean, we're, we run off solely donations. We do not have any paid employees. Um, so no overhead salaries or anything. Um, and we intend to keep it that way because then all of the dollars go to the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super important to me and my husband. Um, but I mean, supporting so donations, we have an event coming up in March at Rheingeist, um, at just our annual fundraiser. Um, but all that information is on our, like we have a Facebook page, website, parentalhope.org. Um, and then as the far as like, if you are struggling with infertility, we have an online support group um, with, I want to say like over 700 members. So oh. it's a really good group where you can just connect, you know, um, and just, hey, can I be your cycle buddy? I need someone, you know. Um, I just got another failure. I really need, like, someone to talk to, you know. Because, again, our spouses can be there for us. Right. But talking to other women who are, like, going through it is, it's just really life-changing. But, um And if you're going through it and you need that financial assistance, um, we do have an application process. Um, Our applications are due September 1st every year. And um, I want to say it's like a 10-page application because, I mean, we do vet, you know, the applicants. Um, There there needs to be an infertility diagnosis. Mm -hmm. There has to be um, a financial need. And... um, and then you have to be a U.S. citizen, all of those things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you don't apply, you, we can't give you a grant, right? I mean, so I think a lot of people are hesitant to apply. Like, oh, they'll never pick me. They'll never pick me. Yeah. Um, but you just, you never know unless you apply. Right. And, I mean, I'm sure all of our grant recipients, all 36 of them, have felt the exact same way. Like, I'll never get chosen. And you know what? They were they were chosen. And, um and it's just, oh, it's just so cool. Like, I love it. Every year we do a, um, like, a family reunion and all the, like, grant recipients come back and some of the babies. And it's just really cool to, I don't know, to finally feel that, like, sense of, like, oh, my gosh. Like, we are making a difference. We are changing lives. We are creating families. Um, but I think most importantly, like, we're giving hope. Mm-hmm. You know, we're giving hope to those who are just in the the bottom of the trenches, man, you know, cause infertility can do that to you. But, um, and then, so in addition to our September grant, we also give away a grant at our event in March. So the deadline to apply for that is February 28th, I think. So, so it's coming up. So coming up. So, so. let's, um, why don't you say again, yeah. um, how people can find you sure. online okay. and then, um, if people want to just like donate or businesses or yeah. like an individual, if somebody is like, I've been through this and I don't need a grant, but I would love to support. Um, why don't you kind of give us the whole spectrum? I, this sure. is your, this is your time to advertise. This is my time. <laughs> so our website again is parentalhope.org. Um, and that's just parental P A R E N T A L hope.org. Um, all of our information is there. I mean, you can find like bios of our board members, like email addresses for myself, my husband, um, event information. Um, you can find application information. You can find information um, on our grant recipients. You can see all of our babies that have been been, been born through the program. Um, and um, 
our Facebook page is another avenue. Um, we have over like 4,100 followers on Facebook. So again, a big avenue there. Um, <clears throat> again, we do like, I don't know, we post a couple times a week, um, stories of hope, you know, announcements, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to get into the Instagram thing with parental hope, but it's just such a world that I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but if you want to get involved, like, please reach out to me. Um, my email is jbross, B-R-O-S-S, at parentalhope.org. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jen L. Bross. Um, you can find Parental Hope on Instagram at Parental Hope. Um, but we're super, we're always, I mean, looking for people to get involved. Um, you know, if you want to volunteer, we always need, you know, event volunteers, um, you know, committee members, fundraising, if you're into that. Like, we always need help with that, um, with grant writing. Um, to get grants from private foundations. We're always looking for help there. Really just any, if you think that you have, you know, a skill that we could benefit from, then please reach out because we could use your help. Again, we're all volunteer. You know, we all have full-time jobs. We all have families. um, And we're just trying to make a difference in our community, you know? So, yeah. That's great. Uh, That's that's huge. I think that... um, like you said, talking about it, no matter yes. what it is, I know it can be uncomfortable and I know mm-hmm. not everybody's like super into like airing their lives Correct. through social media, but even if it's just sharing, you know, yeah. sharing with a friend or just feeling yeah. like finding that one person that you can open up to. Absolutely. That's the whole point of it. That's yeah. the whole point of this podcast. It's right. Just... Yeah. And I don't think anyone's saying like you need to be that person on Instagram sharing right. like every in and out yeah. of, you know, your infertility journey. But, um, But, I mean, once you open up to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, or a few people, I'll tell you, you will feel such a sense of, like, the weight has been lifted, you know, and you will be embraced. There is a community that has been through what you've been through and what you're going through that will embrace you yeah. because we don't want you to be alone. And it's so easy to feel alone in this process. It's such an isolating disease that, um, it's just talk about it, open up, you know, and men too. I mean, again, my husband is like 1000% advocating for like, Hey, men can have infertility issues too. Yeah. You know, it's not just all on the woman. Right. You know, and for men, it's so hard for them to open up. Oh, I'm sure. There's uh, there's the, there's like a whole other world of like masculinity yes. attached yes. to fertility. Yes. And- yeah. And it's it can be very difficult. But yeah. So my husband is always like, just open up. Talk to <laughs> me. I'll go have a beer with you. Yeah. Like if you just want to like talk to a guy that has been through it, like truly has had an issue, yeah. not just I've been with it through my wife you yeah. know, or with my wife. But um, so, yeah, I just talk about it open up, you know, go on Instagram. There's tons of people you can follow and maybe that will make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. You know, but, um, it just affects so many people and we'll just embrace you. We'll give you a (laughs) hug, a virtual hug. Well, and resources, I'm sure that, Mm -hmm. you know, your, the members of your group Mm -hmm. and the people Mm -hmm. on your board, um, if you're looking for, you know, doctors or, you know, things that may have worked for you, uh, who knows? I mean, everybody's different, but absolutely. Yeah. We have tons of resources on our page. Um, and again, like if you are not open to like just sharing everything to the world, find me, I'll come have coffee with you. Like, I will listen, you know, Um, any of our board members will, you know, we've all been through it. And I think that's what's unique about our board is that um, we all have a story and it's, they're all different stories, you know. And And our our grant grant recipients, are they, are you only working with people here locally in the Tri-State area or are you like nationwide, like anybody can apply? So most of our grant recipients are local. We've had, you know, some within like four to six hour drive, you know, Tennessee, Cleveland. Um, but we have had applicants that, um, are as far away as like Texas, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. The caveat with our grant is that the treatment has to take place here at um, our partner clinic is the Institute for Reproductive Health. And, um, and that's just part of the grant. But if you feel like travel expenses would be lower than, 
fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for yeah. a round of IVF, then it's definitely something you should you know consider applying for. Um, you know, you can stay here for a couple of days, go through the process, and probably not be out that much money. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, all I got to say is apply. You, you know, if you're finding yourself in that financial need, apply. You know, we're here for you. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you so for much. taking time to talk to me yes, about this. Thank you this. for having me and um, allowing me to kind of bring some awareness to this uh, still taboo subject. Yeah. You know, but I know we're inching, we're inching closer, you know, to, um, you know, just being more open about it, but it's going to take time, mm-hmm. you know, but we're making strides. That's awesome. Well, and I'm sure that, you know, have I know having something local and, and mm-hmm. having people like you who are advocating and talking and being yes. open about it and, you know, um, yeah. your fundraiser, is that something that anybody can attend? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So our fundraiser, March 6th at Ryan Geist, um, you can buy tickets. There's a link, um, Facebook or um or our website. Um, tickets are $65 and that's like open bar. We're going to have dinner. It's going to be like a backyard barbecue kind of theme. Like we're calling it spring for hope. So, mm-hmm. um, we're all going to be kind of itching for like that spring, you know, March 6th <laughs> is like gloomy, gloomy time here. So, um, but yeah, we're still like soliciting for silent auction donations. Um, sponsorships are still available. Um, but yeah. And if you're going through it, if you're not going through it, um, come join us. It's going to be a fun night. Um, we've got Molly Watson from Kuno 2 is hosting and, um, we've got Brittany Ruby Miller, um, is our keynote speaker. Okay. So looking forward to that. And like I said, we're going to give, um, one of our grants away at our event. So it's going to be life changing. It's always so emotional and exciting, um, to see that couple, you know, get up there and I mean, like their world is going to change. I literally so. have chills. Right? I know. It's really, it's really a neat moment. So at Ryan Geist, March 6th, I hope you join us. It's a super fun night. Yeah, I would yeah. love to. It's really cool. So Very cool. Well, thank you again. Thank you. This was awesome. It was nice thank to talk you. to you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe to Your Mom Has a Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Your Mom Has a Podcast. And if you'd like to talk to me and have a story to tell, or if you just would like to sit down and talk about your experience with modern motherhood, I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me through social media, or you can email me agordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, at mac.com. Also, if you haven't had a chance to yet, go into Apple Podcasts. You can leave a rating and a review. It helps to promote this podcast and push it up the charts. Um, And if we get enough, maybe someday we will be within the top 100, or at least that is my hope. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week. And we'll see you again with another episode.